It's okay. It's okay. He won't hurt us. He, he would have killed me by now. Okay, I think it's because we're not actually part of the movie. He doesn't really know what to do with us. Hello and welcome to another movie podcast. Happy New Year 2021. All that jazz. My name is Oscar and with me today is Luke and Ralph. That's right. The boys are back in town, although not really because we're not together when we record. Um, uh, today's Thank episode God. is the one thing we do, the first things at the year that we do every year. And that is going to be our top 10 films of 2020. Uh, hailing it as one of the worst years ever on the planet. And it looks like it's going to be only trumped by 2021. Clever wordplay there uh, approved there. Um, so the top 10 list will uh, take out some things that we normally do on this show. Obviously, we're not going to have specific reviews of any movie. But besides that, we will also not talk about any recent discoveries um, that will be held back for a, either a different time, like when we do our first regular show later on, or or we'll or maybe we'll just forget forget it probably by then <laughs> because over a month. From now. Um, and we're also not going to discuss like what we've been up to lately in our personal lives. You know the little whateverness we do that's bullshit but fun. Um, so we're going to get into the show, and the show will consist of missed opportunities our top 10 list, the honorable mentions, and the disappointments. Pretty set, pretty standard stuff. And obviously, as you guys know, and the whole world knows, we know as well, that uh, top 10 lists are arbitrary nonsense. It's just a fun thing to do. Ranking, I always found extremely fun. It doesn't actually show some great merit. Next year, this list could be completely different, and I feel differently about it. Uh, because, like I said, they're arbitrary. But they're mm-hmm. fun to do. So, with all of that in mind... You can, uh, we're going to start with missed opportunities. And we're going to start this entire show, like the way we're going to do the, the, the list and everything. We're going to start with, with Luke. Yeah. And this, what missed opportunities now, real quick, uh, I mean, it should be self-explanatory. They're the movies that uh, didn't make any list because we just didn't have a chance or didn't want to watch uh, X, you know, XYZ movies that either looked interesting or maybe in hindsight, you know, you, you wish that you had seen it at the time. So, Luke, what's your missed opportunities? All right. Uh, the ones I have uh, would be The Nest, Greyhound, mm. uh, Bavarium, My Truth, Sound of Metal, The Invisible Man, David Burns, American Utopia, and Tread. And pretty much anything you might have on your list, I'll probably piggyback on. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. I think all of them. As much as I hate <laughs> you. You kind of have good taste in some some movies, you know. Yeah. See, even yeah. See, that's, that's kind of. Yeah, it's okay. I got it. Thank you for the compliment. That took you so long to get there. Um, no, that's a that's a good list. You should definitely watch all of them. I believe. <laughs> I think you'll enjoy all of them. Um, surprised you missed uh, Invisible Man. I thought you were with us on that one. Or... No, I think I was in California when that one came out. Ah, okay. Uh, okay, now uh, I'm next to you on the missed opportunities in my movies. Some of them uh, you guys might maybe have never heard of because I, I, you know, I go weirder with the movies I haven't seen or try to see. So here they are. Uh, Boy State, uh, Personal History of David Copperfield, Kajillionaire, oh, Dick man. Johnson is Dead, Daughter of the Dust, Capone, The Assistant, uh, The Midnight Sky, for funsies, I put this one in Greenland, the, the action movie, uh, The Witches, The Wolf House, Never, Re- Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, Martin Eden, Minari, 
promising young woman, another round, time, Undin, and Emma. And uh, Emma is almost like a gray area because it came out very, very late to early of 2020, uh, whatever. Um, but yeah, those are my next opportunities. Some of them more than others, obviously. Jeez, did you watch any movies this year? Yeah, I know. Like, look, <laughs> Jesus, I have so many problems. Uh, uh, Ralph, what about you? What are your missed opportunities? Uh, I'm sure I've missed even more opportunities of not even knowing what came out already. So those are the real missed opportunities. That's um, true. But the missed opportunities that I have are Portrait of a Lady on Fire, The Nest, uh, Hamilton, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, Hillbilly Elegy, and The Crude's A New Age, guys. I didn't get to see that one. I'm so sorry. I didn't have yeah, to that one. Out. Yeah, missed out. Just wanted to let you guys know. Sorry, boys. Yeah. Couldn't give you that raving review. Raving. Stark raving review. Really? Silence? <laughs> Yeah, Stark. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh, all right. Um, we, that's a, that's a good point that Roth made, though. It's uh, it's not just the missed opportunities list that we mentioned already. Not but not not just those titles. You know, yeah, you guys uh, said titles that I don't even know about. So, like, right. how do I how do I know I missed out if I didn't even know about them? What I'm saying, the unknown unknown. You don't right. know what the great movie you've missed because you I'm haven't. You, it I'm telling you, Matt. That's the unknown that's, unknown. that's where I live. I live in that. I live in that area. Yeah, I don't know how. Yeah, that's that bothers me. That uh, bothers you. It's fucking. What do you think? How do you think I feel? No, I'm saying. I mean, some people are kind of perfectly comfortable with that. No but, hell no. And I'm like, no, that bothers me. <laughs> it bothers me that my top ten could look way different if I knew about these movies, right? Or I've seen them. Um. Anyway, um. I have one more thing about missed opportunities as a general thing because a lot of people out there, and this is more of a. Is this, I think it's an Amazon. Or a Showtime thing. I don't remember 100%. I apologize in advance. Um, there's a show, a miniseries, if you if you will, called Small Axe. Made by, uh, entirely made, uh, directed by, and I think written also by, um, uh, what's his name? Steve McQueen. The great director that did 12 Years a Slave and did um, Hunger, you know, and Shame. Uh, he made this show and every episode... It's not anthology. It has like a gen- as a theme. It has like five episodes, and it's all by this by this theme on on African American life in some fashion. I'm not sure. I, I haven't seen a single frame, but I've heard a lot of great things about the, certain episodes for sure, if not the whole thing. And every episode is movie length, and they're all with different casts and everything. It's a different story. So a lot of people are including those episodes as right. as part of their top ten movies, sure. and that throws me the fuck off. So. Which- <laughs> what BBC? No, no. BBC. No, 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 yeah, no, yeah. I, well, he's English, but what? no, that's what. Um, yeah, but I think I was thinking about. I was saying, uh, where is it streaming in the BBC? In the I think. Okay, I thought it was uh, Prime for sure. I don't know. I saw a Prime logo. I think once, but maybe I got it wrong. Whatever. And um, oh, yeah, it's there too. Yeah. Okay. So shut up. But for our listener across the pond, you just listen or just one. Well, they know all about it right now. They probably listen. Um. So yeah, and uh, I, I, I'm not. If I had seen them, I'm going to tell you right now, I would have included in the top TVs, um, which is coming up next. Next week is the top TV shows. So, like uh, for me, if it's a fucking miniseries, it's a television series. Mm-hmm. I don't care. So that's I how I look at it. That's how we look at it in this show. So it's hard to put rules to everything because the line between TV and movies are getting blurrier by the minute. And there are just so many different exceptions that prove and disprove any fucking rule you can think of. So it's a hard landscape to to pinpoint all this stuff. But I'm just saying that that is why. Well, not to mention none of us have seen a single episode of Small Axe. But if 
that is why it's not going to be included into anything significant on this show, on this particular episode. So with that in mind, we're going to, we're going to get started on our top 10 movies for 2020. And um, any particular, uh, I always forget this part. Hopefully I won't forget for everyone. Oh, like our any criteria? particular. Yeah, no, yeah, we'll get criteria, but how did you look at this year? What did you think of this year before you give your top 10, Luke, and then give our top 10? Uh, <laughs> you, mean, you mean my number 10 pick, right? Not my entire top 10. Right, that's fine. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, this year su- kind of sucked. Nothing really, like, well, until I looked at my list, only, like, the first couple, like, really movies, I think, really stood out, and then the other ones I had to kind of go through and filter them out, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I only saw, like, 60 movies this year, so. Yeah, is that, how is that compared to other years? Is it like eighty? Uh, it's it's less. It is definitely less by like yeah. twenty, thirty, maybe movies. Yeah, no, so, that's a big difference. Thanks, COVID. Yeah, dick. COVID dick. You got COVID dick. Okay. Damn, got that COVID dick. COVID dick. <laughs> is it worse than yeah. snakey dick? But you know, it's uh, I, I got what like three documentaries in here, so hey, it is what it is. I mean, you win some, you lose some, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so it sucked. Short list or shorter watch list. Right. Yeah, but I do so. think the quality of the stuff I did watch was better in some aspects. Okay. So that's yeah, how does that that's work? Exciting. You just that's said exciting. you had an issue. Okay, whatever. I'm not gonna say. Well, it's exciting to see what he's going to say. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm. It wasn't like you know, it was like a Star Wars movie that was usually you know always gets my like my number one pick or like some great ass like Marvel flick. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Okay. I have to say it. I'm leaning like every as I get older in age, I lean more towards like finding flaws in my like those type of movies a lot, and I just like don't want to watch them as much anymore. Anyways, continue. Tennis. Last time it was no tennis. One of these bullets is like us. Traveling forwards through time. The other one's going backwards. Can you tell which is which? How about now? Why does it feel so strange? You're not shooting the bullet. You're catching it. Whoa. I didn't went back in myself, felt like hell. Work, I risked it, patient self. I you living, know you thrilling off a sinning. How I got my strikes and pendants back in out in the street. What is why I let it be. Rages out, gotta eat. Not a vibe, but away with the sound. By the way, counting down by the days. Who's the America? Seems nice. I invited him to the dinner. It's good with fists for a diplomat. So, uh, should I What's go number 10? to my number 10? All right. Yes. <clears throat> Starting off strong with a documentary. Uh, Not for Resale, a video game store documentary. Hmm. So, I know, right? Huh. says a lot. It is a <laughs> surprise, a documentary. I mean, yes. Video just, game stores, right? title is the plot, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, this was, I think, an Indiegogo like, funded thing that I found out uh, like, about early in January. And I was like, holy shit, Like, I need this. This sounds amazing. 
And as soon as I got it in the mail, I was not disappointed. It pretty much highlights, you know, uh, how a lot of video game stores are closing now because of the whole digital rise and, you know, things of that nature and how we have very few of these places where we can go and just kind of interact with people, talk about old games and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it also goes off into this whole thing like, you know, there are some good benefits to having, you know, digital games because, you know, because if I don't make it a physical copy and it's put out on the Internet, it's accessible to more people. Right. You know, but then you don't really own anything. You don't have like a physical item to like show off and hold. But then you have like companies like uh, like super limited games and they'll, uh, you know, do small batch releases of, you know, indie games or games that were originally just digital. And then you have a physical version of it as well. So. It kind of goes back and forth between the two, but mainly like the decline of video game stores around the world, essentially. And like, there was oh, it's one. like it's like world driven, not just collect the country. Uh, I mean, huh? Mainly, it's in the U.S. Obviously, <laughs> uh, just like, they even had a a store that they mentioned in Chicago, and I'm like, oh shit, I didn't even know about this store. And since it was a 2020 documentary, you know, it was probably filmed in the last couple of years. And when I looked up the store, it's already closed. I'm like, well, that's a fucking kick in the dick. Yeah, in the COVID dick, right in the COVID dick. Yeah, so you have to actually like look for those things here, um, even in a big city. I mean, I think it's better in a small town because there's limited stuff. But at the same time, um, in a big city, it's kind of hard. Like, especially if you're not used to like leaving your surrounding area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would often find myself not often. What the fuck. I don't always do this, but when I would walk around the, you know, for whatever reason, dinner, um, vape shop, whatever the hell I'm doing out in the city, I would walk around, right? And then like the parking to the thing. And I was like, oh, what's this store? And I just go real quick and like, holy shit, this is a comic book store. It didn't look like that from the outside. Um, you know, I just get surprised by all these places that I didn't know existed. That's happened before. That's my point. So, but yeah, you got to find it. Mm-hmm. If not stumble upon them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's your number 10 yeah. and a really good topic. That befits your, you know, what you're into. Yeah, I mean, um, hey, even, with, even with movies and stuff now, same thing's happening, you know? Yes. I mean, hey, look at family videos going bankrupt. Oh, really? I thought yeah. that they would. No, they're closing down, I think, all locations. So if you want to hit up your local family video, get some, you know, stuff on the cheap, cheap. Where's the nearest family video to us? Probably some booth. Indiana. <laughs> no, there's one in, uh, sure there's one in like, do you, or something. Do, do you want me to tell you one? Well, there's one. <laughs> no, I was just asking because uh, I figure you, one of you guys might know off the top of your head. You know? Yeah, there is one on Hillside. Okay. Hillside, yeah. I think I, I think that sounds right to me as well. Um, all right. So that's number 10. Uh, uh, Roth, what about you? Oh, no, I'm next. Oh, fuck. Yep. I'm, okay. I'm so used to fucking going. Relax, okay. buddy. Stop yes. jumping the gun. Um, you know, I don't understand that saying at all. Uh, okay. So... Um, I think that this year definitely fucking sucked. I also watched about 30 movies or so, maybe more, less. Actually, this is the first year I didn't crack 100. I'm at 95, 96 wow. um, movies. And uh, I didn't crack 100. What the fuck? It's a big fucking, you know. And I actually had to take out one of the movies because I really thought it was 20 and 20. And it had to take it out because I was like, oh, wait. Yeah. And, you know, you should have just accepted it, Luke. No one would have no, If I can't it. have it, you can't have it. No, you can totally have it. You could. We both could have had it. You see? Do you no. hear yourself? Okay, whatever. This integrity is, is the this name is of the your, podcast. Your mom is integrity. Um. Anyway, and uh, yeah, I think the I think the lack of of 
the blockbusters, right? Or even like whatever between an indie and a blockbuster is, because there's a lot of movies that go in between there that are very theatrically driven, like comedies, right? Like the comedies, like some of the horror for sure. Uh, all that stuff got pushed back or got whittled down or or just fucking were canceled, you know? Like it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really it did. But I think it really opened, I think it opened a lot of people's eyes as to what kind of story they actually want to see. Do they just want to see what's in theaters, which is controlled and bottled through and is only a choice of six to ten movies at best or something? You know, that's not a very good app description. It's just a good app description of what studios are able to afford to put in front of you. This is different. I think the whole streaming thing that with the VOD coupled with, you know, releases coming uh, um, straight up to um, iTunes and uh, Netflixes and stuff like that. Um, obviously, HBO with the Wonder Woman. Um, all this stuff happening right now is changing how people are watching movies and what kind of movies they prefer to see as opposed to just spectacle, you know. So it's a different – I think it will be better in the long run. It just sucks 20 – it just sucks right now. Um, I think it will be awesome in the long run. I, I predict a lot more people understanding and watching a lot of more indie stuff in a good way, in a positive light, not just because like there's nothing else to watch. It'll start that way. And then people will start choosing them. And that's how I feel that 2020 did good for the film industry. So uh, with that in mind, my number 10 is a big blockbuster movie. <laughs> and it's a uh, tenet. And, uh, you know, uh, I didn't say, I mean, t- tenets, fuck's sake. Everyone knows about this movie, right? I'm just going to say this real quick, the little description, uh, armed with only one word, tenet, and fighting for the survival of the entire world, a protagonist journeys through a twilight world of inter- inter- international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. And this is the obviously the Christopher Nolan uh, epic that should have come out in theaters. It did come out in theaters technically, but no one saw it. Um, it was supposed to. It was ready to be made. It, it was going to make a billion dollars, no problem, right? And it never did. Um, and that's really sad. But also, like, this movie has really the best spectacle of the year. Yeah, the technicality. Hard facts. Hard facts. Of the year. I think that's why it's my number 10. Now, the yeah. reason it's not any higher is because it has absolutely no emotion. It's his least emotional movie. Do you today. think it has no emotion? It has, it has, all no, it has nothing to Wait, it. Did you know Tenet even... backwards is Tenet? I saw the fucking guy. Um. Anyway. Uh. So, yeah, it has very no emotion. It treats the one woman character in it really badly, and that stuff really bothered me. But but it just does the other stuff so insanely good that I was not forced, obviously. It's all my choice, but I was really wanting it on the list. And so it's my number 10. And, uh, you know, like I said, the spectacle, the, the concepts are so cool and so original and so much fun to dissect and watch and uh and understand. And one of the best things about like coming out on, on Blu-ray or whatever is that the subtitles works wonders for me because uh, I can fucking understand more of what the fucking actors are saying, um, which is a, a slight problem on his movies lately. So uh, Tenet, yeah, number 10. It's badass. It's a badass movie of the year, probably, as far as, you know, spectacle and shit. Mm. Great. It's my only blockbuster, as far as I can tell. Yes. Nice. Um, so. Uh, Raf, you are next for your number 10 and uh, what you think of the year. Uh, so, you're sucked. I mean, especially like the beginning was like, all right, we're starting strong, you know, doing good. Shitty <laughs> movies out of the way. All right, cool, cool, cool. Let's get it. And then um, all of a sudden it's like COVID. Uh, suck, 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 suck. 
no theaters, nothing, you know, so you just couldn't watch anything good or nothing. Everything gets delayed. Uh, you got to pay 20 bucks, 20 bucks for a movie on a streaming service that you have to pay for already. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's a lot of dumb shit that went on. Um, and then, uh, we got some cool indie movies. I think Amazon prime was like, uh, Luke's lifeline for the whole year. Um, they're an MVP, but I think were, Netflix is taking 2021. Oh, you think so? I mean, I fucking hope so with every week. week. week, Right, exactly, exactly. Anyways, regardless, um, I I kind of of agree with Oscar on this one, where uh, he's gonna, I mean, I think it did good for indie movies, for people to, like, I just need to watch something, because, like, there's nothing to do except for watch, you know, people who are stuck at home not doing anything besides binge-watching TV, and, uh, which was a great, great year for TV, and then, uh, what's it called, in movies? So, all these like indie films that came out that people probably wouldn't have watched, people probably saw it more, and they were like, "Oh wow, that made me think differently," you know, or that made me like a different type of movie that I wouldn't have not watched normally. Maybe I'll try this mm-hmm. next year. Hopefully, you you think maybe right, but we'll see. Um, but I have hope again, anyways. Uh, but the year was, yeah, subpar in movies. I watched, I think, uh, hold on, according to my. Uh, Letterbox that I always fuck up in. I saw 75 movies this year. New ones to me, though. Oh, nice. So, hold on, hold on. That's to me in the oh, year. gotcha, gotcha. That, that doesn't oh. mean necessarily of the year. So, oh. I, you know, filtering through it, I probably saw around 50 new movies this year. Um, Respectable number? It's an okay number. I average around, I mean, compared to last year, I saw 96 new movies. I almost hit 100. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I did, I, and you know what? Last year, I really did try. Remember, I, t- I told you I made an effort to try to watch movies. I was telling yes. Oscar. Yeah. And this year, I was like, nah, football, fuck that. Let's watch football because I've just been watching football. How the Bears? Um, uh, the Bears, uh, according to from this podcast or from before in the past? Just now. Just now, they made it to playoffs and they mm. failed at playoffs. Oh, but it's okay. Um, anyways, so watching football nonetheless. Uh, yeah, good times, good times for that. Uh, I think it was a lot of good good year for, for shows, but that's that's the year for crap, anyways. Uh, my number ten is a uh, a movie that was reviewed on episode one seventeen that came out on December seventh. Um, that is Uncle Frank. Uh, this was a um, what's it called? I read a quick synopsis. Seventy three. Frank Bledsoe's. Uh, and his 18-year-old niece, Beth, take a road trip to Manhattan to Creekville, from Manhattan to Creekville to uh, South Carolina for the family patriotic funeral. And they're ex- unexpectedly joined by Frank's uh, lover. Um, so that being said, the movie, I, I actually thought it was really cool. Especially how, if you listen to the review, you probably already know that. Um, I thought it was really cool like how they just, the perspective of it. How we're getting the perspective of um, Beth's character, Beth seeing into like Uncle Frank's kind of thing. Um, or Frank's character, and also seeing Frank's, like, you know, struggle of coming out and stuff like that, uh, and, uh, that's not a secret, because it's, like, literally ruined in, like, the first 15 minutes of the movie, um, and, uh, it's, like, I don't know, I thought it was a really cool, like, I guess just a little perspective of something that, um, of, that would have happened in the past, like, a story, and then also just, like, the inner struggles of the, how that person, like, what went through, I like that that also perspective of uncle of Frank's character that had it um, with like his memories of what happened and how, when he was trying to explore going through life um, as a young boy and stuff like that. Uh, I dug that and I dug over all the movie. Um, it was, um, it was like, 
you're expecting a train wreck to happen, and it's like almost happened, but at the same time, like like you're like, oh, this thing's about to flip over, and then it kind of doesn't, and you're like, but that's mm. still cool. I still saw it. Um, uh, I still got to see that. That uh, it was still a cool experience, um, and that's why I made my number ten. So uh, overall, it was a really cool movie. Very and, good. Uh, I would tell you to watch it if you. Sh- I mean, I think it's on Amazon, right? Is that what was that an Amazon? Movie? Uh, yes. There you go. Luke wouldn't else. I always ask anything for Amazon. I'm just gonna throw it over to Luke. Which is funny because I think Luke has less Prime movies on his top ten than we do, Rob. I mean, it is what it is. I didn't say. I didn't say Luke had to pick those movies. I just said Luke. I mean, I thought he was willing for them. I don't understand. Right. 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 Still to get some kickback that I don't understand yet. Uh, With that in mind, Luke, you shill. Um, hey, I haven't gotten the check yet, so I can't show for them. Okay. Oh well, well you did the work. You did the you did the legwork. Uh, what's your number nine? All right, my number nine is a Disney Plus movie called Hamilton, which is oh, hey. the Broadway cast, you know, version of Hamilton. I think that's Pixar's Hamilton, right? Yes. Oh, God, don't give them <laughs> ideas. No. Oh yeah, no, right? I guess not. But yeah, since. Uh, I'm poor and I can't go to Broadway. I got a chance to see it through Disney, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. I mean, okay. I, like you could go to Broadway. You just choose not to. Anyways, continue. Okay. I'm not going to spend a couple, like a thousand plus dollars to go see it. Okay. And well, plus, that's how much this one was. Lynn Manuel Miranda is not in it anymore. So it's other people. So, you know, I don't think it would be as good. Well, I mean, anywho. Yeah. Yeah. So Hamilton, I was really excited to see it. And I'm glad I did. I had a lot of people rave about this, you know, uh, musical. And I tried listening to the soundtrack, I think, once before. But I, never, I didn't, like, really get it. But now watching it and the whole performance and everything. Right. It makes it, you want to go back to the soundtrack, right? right? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. But it's so much better just watching it or, you know, hearing it and having subtitles. <laughs> yes. And uh, getting the camera angles, which oh, you yeah. wouldn't have gotten if you were live on right. stage, or like you I'd were probably there. have like some cheap seat and be like a pillar in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, it was great. You know, if you don't know what it is, it's you know, kind of like the life story of the uh, yeah Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton, yes. And they do take liberties, you know, with the other characters, you know, because obviously, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thomas Jefferson was not a black man. No. Well, well, no. Oh, yeah, that's the liberties you were talking about? Because no one is what they are then. Because, no. <laughs> you know, that, and, you know, obviously it's, uh, there's a lot of things, you know, they have to change up, but it's good. And it's just, if you go with it, it's great. I really enjoyed it. Probably going to, you know, watch this multiple times throughout the years. Hell, they'll put it on DVD. I'll probably buy it. I mean, blur. No one buys DVDs anymore. Oscar. I don't buy DVDs anymore. What the fuck? Yeah, you can actually buy like old ones. Oh yeah, sometimes because they're better that way. Or he still like... has his uh, what's it called, Columbus House, the subscription for DVDs. Columbia House. Yes. Oh my god, that was so long ago. Wow, flashback. <laughs> Dude, blew my mind. I didn't. I haven't thought of that shit since I last had one. I guess. Wow. Seven CDs for one penny. Dude, it was great. It was fun. A hundred dollars a month after. Right. Yes, of course. That's um, anyway, awesome, awesome. Hamilton, and this is weird because it's technically it's a concert. It's a not a concert, but it's a. I guess a, a, it's a, a concert type biography drama of history. No, no, no. It's a concert uh, a documentary 
right? Because it's on stage uh, with a crowd, and it's not a, like music. I mean, it is music, so <laughs> it's like it's hard to. What's the, <laughs> I'm just trying to define what what makes like you know what what is it? I'm trying to define it the media, right? <laughs> of it, because um, before all that, before it was on Disney Plus, it was just uh, a play, right? right. Yes. But now it's not. It's not a play. <laughs> would you call it's it a play or would you call it a Broadway? Who cares? Broadway is just. It's like saying like Kleenex instead of tissue paper. Like yeah. you're just naming. You're just name branding something. Yeah. You're just name checking something. Um. <clears throat> anyway. Uh. So that's great. Number nine. Uh. Hamilton. Uh, my, my number nine is uh, a documentary. So uh, so up Luke's alley already. My number nine is a documentary. Uh. Straight from Netflix. It's called Tread. Uh, here's a little description here. Pushed to his breaking point, a master welder in a small town at the foot of the Rocky Mountains quietly fortifies, fortifies a bulldozer with 30 tons of concrete and steel and seeks to destroy those he believes have wronged him. And this documentary, which runs at a brisk uh, buck 30, it's 90 minutes long, it's great, uh, doesn't overstate anything. Uh, is is a strange story that like I'm never heard of. It made all the national news stuff and all this coverage, obviously. But uh, I completely missed it. Knew nothing of it going in. the 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 documentary is told extremely well and really well paced. Uh, so the wonderful thing about this guy, and, and there's nothing wonderful about him per se, but like what he did was severely fucked up, strange, out of the out of the out of the blue, out of the world, you know, made no sense. But what? Not that it didn't, not that it didn't make no sense. It was just crazy. Um, but the documentary has two, what's well, three huge things going for it, which what made it in my number, my, on my top ten. One is that it uses very good stylized dramatizations to fill in the gaps of what wasn't filmed, you know, leading up to the event, right? And of the event too, they would they would they would stitch in. Uh, live footage from people either, you know, on their camcorders or whatever, on their phones with uh, newscasting footage as well as uh, coupled with the uh, dramatization stuff. Very good stuff going on there. Very good. Um, the second thing is that this man who did all this, you know, the master welder, um, he, you are, you, not only do you feel sympathy for him and his point of view, even if you don't agree with his actions, his reactions to it, um, Throughout, like when he was building the thing, uh, this bulldozer and getting ready to go out and cause some mayhem, he recorded himself in a camcorder or whatever, recorded his uh, his thoughts on the whole thing, on the town, on the people he felt that wronged him, on why it feels so perfect, how he confuses a lot of, let's just say, uh, God's purpose for him to do things, you know what I'm saying? And uh, all that stuff is in there, and it's a treasure trove of information on a man that uh, we wouldn't have gotten to know anything about had he not recorded himself. And that's very, very, very well used. And the last thing is that this movie encapsulates a lot of what 2020 was so fucked up about in exactly one movie about a guy, and this happened like over 10 years ago. Um, you know, so it's a perfect, it's a, it's a really nice fitting tale, a cautionary tale as to... Um, you know, like a lone man versus the world or a culture versus the world or like, you know, Trump's era of fucking whatever, you know, of belief versus what you feel is justice, what you feel isn't. It's a lot of stuff in there. The movie knows what it's doing when it, you know, when it makes him think those things. Like it, 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 
it's very prescient the movie uh, again for for something that happened um, not too long ago granted it wasn't like so long ago but it was long enough ago that it feels like a different time you know um so yeah i, I highly recommend it for everyone and uh it's called tread and it does not disappoint so that's on netflix but that's my number nine uh Roth, what is your number nine it's mm, a good question i have to look for it on my list i'm just kidding my number nine is um the social dilemma that um nice. ugh, excuse me man. yeah documentaries uh this was an episode of 112 and um, the podcast. And then uh, this is the Netflix one that uh, I really thought, uh, I think it did a kind of number on me and I was totally telling everybody at work to watch it. Um, it was one of those like things that I had already thought about, like how social networking, because that's what it talks about, obviously how like just they're meant, they're this addictive thing to just keep jumping on. And uh, it's like in the back of your mind, like how, I think it has, it's always been in the back of my mind is like how often do I use them, um, and I try to not limit it, but at the same time I'm bored and it's right there in my hand, palm of my hands. Why can't I go look at it and have a quick laugh or whatever, um, <laughs> or whatever the case is, you know? And it's just like it's literally like just fighting for my attention at all times. And um, it's funny because I can go without it and play games or do something else and kind of not pay attention. And uh, I have it where I don't have notifications except for like one social network device, and that's only because I keep in communication with with people, um, which I use of the most, obviously. Uh, and yeah, it's just like this really weird thing where I've already been doing some some of the stuff they did, but talk about, it, but it's like hearing these like experts or people who have been in the industry at like high positions talk about how like they're just exploiting us, like we're the product, and you know, um, not just the uh, where you know where where the ones being sold to, not the other way around, is kind of kind of fucked up when you think about it. So because uh, we consume and our consumption is what's making us a product. Yeah. So yeah, it's really weird. But at the same time, it's just like it's it's kind of enlightening to watch. Um, and uh, I think we need it, you know, sometimes. Uh, and I, I think the, uh, the what's it called? Uh, the movie did a good job of like bringing stuff up and. I wish it did a little bit more, and I, I think they tried to with, like, they have, like, a, a website and a bunch of other stuff dedicated to it to try to help you, but I don't know. It's just, like, a little bit, like, meh. Like, they talk about the problem, but they never talk about the solutions. Um, or th- they talked about solutions, but it's just, like, it's easier said than done also. Yeah, pie-in-the-sky solutions. Right, well, it's, like, pie-in-the-sky solutions for these people who, like, well, you guys have money and all these things and all, your, all the resources at your disposal. Not everybody has all these resources to do or time. Time is the big one. Time and effort. Um, so yeah, but uh, it was a cool movie nonetheless, and um, I think it, I think everybody should watch it. To be brutally honest with you, and then make their own Definitely. decisions from there. Um, so yeah, that's uh, required viewing. Yeah, I would say especially for twenty twenty. Um, yeah, one of those years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so that's my uh, number nine, uh, Luke. All right, so <clears throat> my number eight is another documentary. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but nonetheless, it is a music documentary called Beastie Boy Story. Is it about Pink Floyd? Cool. No, no, no. It's about this uh, group you might have heard of called the Beastie Boys. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, up and comers. Okay. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so essentially, <clears throat> it's funny because it's kind of like things reminds me of Hamilton because it's kind of like a a live show that they kind of put on, I think, in New York. 
where they were in front of a crowd and they were just talking about the history of the Beastie Boys, how they grew up, you know, you know, from being kind of kids to becoming, you know, like these like uh, hip hop like superstars in like the uh, early '80s with mm. the, their debut album *License Dale*, which blew my mind because when I fucking first heard that in like third or fourth grade, I thought it was like something that came out that year. I didn't know that that was as old as me. <laughs> right. <laughs> All that, but it's such a good album. Anyways, and it just goes through like, literally from the start of them to like where they are now, and uh, obviously it gets emotional at one point when they talk about the passing of one of the Beastie Boys. I think it was due to cancer, and you know they kind of have to call it quits after that because they can't continue, you know, performing without him. So okay, but, yeah, directed by a, the one and only Spike Jones. Really? Yeah. They a lot. I think you mentioned this when uh when you were when you when it was a recent discoveries for you, I think. Yeah. But it's a Apple TV plus thing, so you can check it out there. And if you know if you're a fan of music or their music, I highly recommend it. Because it taught me a lot of things that I I you know, aside from their music, I knew nothing about them. Yeah, I agree. So that's uh on their book also. Don't have that either. <laughs> well, you can't read, so it's okay. <laughs> look, if there's pictures, I can look at pictures. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, words are like reading pictures, really. Um, all right. All right, so that's, what's it called? Beastie, a Beastie Boy story or just Beastie Boy uh, story? I first, for some reason, I always thought it was a Beastie Boy story, but I think it's just Beastie Boy's story. Got it. And this is an Apple thing, right? Yes. The very first time Apple has made, well, obviously the brand new too, but right. has made a top ten, right? And anything like, uh, yeah, probably. So. Yeah. Um. Actually, I think I think last year I picked a horror movie from Let's and Shutter, and that was my first Shutter top ten movie. Also, so that was a lot of firsts going on here in general. Damn. Streaming is taking over. It's replacing a lot of things. <clears throat> Are they right. finally changing the rules on like Academy Awards and streaming, or no? Well, they were this year. Gonna have to. They're gonna yeah. have to. <laughs> there's no, there's no choice in that one. Right. <clears throat> Sticking to uh, that old style of thinking, it's gonna lead to really shitty results really fast if they decide not to do that. Anyway, um, my number eight is not a documentary. It's actually gonna be. It's, it could be the farthest thing away from documentary. It's um, it's a movie called Color Out of Space, which, Kate, uh, anyway, which is uh, the the Nicolas Cage movie. Have you guys heard of it? Nope. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm gonna read the thing here. A secluded farm is struck by a strange meteorite, which has apocalyptic consequences for the family living there. And possibly the world. And this is a movie starring um, Nicolas Cage, uh, Jolie Richardson, Madeline Arthur, and Elliot Knight. So it's a it's a Cage movie, and it's based on the story uh, of the same title, the same title of a story, a short story by H.P. Lovecraft called "Color of Space," except "color" with a U in it for some reason. Um, anyway, so it's the British it, spelling. Yes, so it's an H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, based thing and H.P. Lovecraft has had quite a year um, as far as his work being um, you know taken and, and released in some way or remade or whatever adapted uh, not just this movie but obviously you know Lovecraft Country right the HBO series 
Uh, and I'm positive. I know there's like a few others. Um, for example, like Supernatural mentions a lot of stuff from him. Um, so yeah, it's a very fun, insane movie. And I don't mean just because it has Nicolas Cage. It, just like Mandy, I feel, or just like the movie Mom and Dad, I feel, I think that they use Nicolas Cage uh, really, really, really well in this movie. And he plays a very kind of like, you know, uh, <laughs> like a quiet father, you know, uh, kind of like calm person. And as the shit goes down and he has to do crazy things to save his family, as you can imagine, the cageness comes out. Um, the cageness becomes uncaged, right? And it's it's extremely a lot of fun. It's also very horrifying. The horror is a horror movie, horror sci fi for sure. And it the movie, you know, it has a very very stylistic, cool looking way to show the progression of what it looks like to be infected by some otherworldly alien, you know, spore or germ or whatever the hell it is, you know. And uh, it, it gets to really like, you know, the movie, The Thing, Rafa, you know, this movie, The Thing It has like that really grotesque yes. alien horror in it. Right. This uh-huh. movie brings up a lot of the thingness um, and, and the grotesqueness and some of the stuff that happens. So that is something you should watch out for if you are squeamish. But if you are so into that, you'll get whiffs of The Thing from Color of Space. In addition to that, um, it also reminds me a lot of Annihilation in the sense of like the creativeness of alien alien nature, you know, uh, in, in, in being like taking over and conquering our nature, you know, our trees, our humans, our wood houses, our cows, you know, stuff like that. And it has this really cool effect of doing that stuff. It's like, it's like if you're watching Annihilation, you know, that, um, that whole the whole premise of that movie, right? And like, if it hit the farmhouse where Nicolas Cage's family is at, this is what might happen to them. So it has very similar feels to that too. So yeah, very good sci-fi. Sci-fi done right. Sci-fi done cool. Sci-fi done shortly. Also, it's not like it doesn't take too long on it. It doesn't over-explain shit. It just fucking tells you this is happening. They have to figure it out how to get out if they even can. So that's Color Out of Space. Check it out. Uh, it's on VOD somewhere. Um... And that's my number uh, eight. So, Ralph. Cool, 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 cool. Um, my number eight is a movie that... I think this came out on Hulu. Am I correct? Um, if you're looking at the list thing. Um, yeah, I want to say it was Hulu. I want to say it was Hulu. So, we're going to say that. And my number eight was is Palm Springs. Yeah. Uh, it is Hulu July, according to this. Um... And uh, I don't think we reviewed it for the podcast, but anyways, I probably just talked about it. The uh, this was the uh, Andy Samberg movie, um, and it was one of those fun movies that I just like thought I wasn't gonna have as I didn't think it was gonna be like that good. I guess when I watched it, I just thought I was gonna be like, oh, I'm just gonna kind of have fun with it. And they do this kind of like um, uh, little turn in the movie where uh, there's. Uh, some a lot of sci-fi going on and stuff that like wants to be ignored, but it also felt like kind of like grounded. So it kind of worked for me how overall the movie is, and especially with these two actors that um, being really bad, uh, Kristen Milati, I think that's her name, um, and Andy Samberg, and then uh, J.K. Simmons, who's like the third wheel in the movie, um, which is plays a hilarious role in the movie as well. 
And I just had like uh, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. And uh, like I said, I like the sci-fi overall that happens in the movie. And I'm trying not to spoil that because that's a little bit of spoilers in the movie. Um, and uh, but overall, like the issue with um, just the the Groundhog Dayness of it um, is uh, it's it's super interesting and uh, different take. And I think this is probably the th- second movie since Groundhog Day, or not counting Groundhog Day, which I would do Happy Death Day. Right? Happy Death Day? Is that, is that the... Yes. I think so. Happy uh, Death Day is another Groundhog Day type, yeah. No, no, no. So, so, so I'm saying, I think this is the other one that works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that movie worked really well also for what it was. Um, and I think this one works also along with that. Um, and it's okay. super cool because they have their own things going on. And uh, I uh, I just enjoyed the heck out of it, actually. And then the acting wasn't bad. And just like overall, like I said, just the problems that they have and all this stuff, everything else felt like it was... Because obviously, Andy Samberg is like kind of a comedy, um, mainly comedy roles. So, like, it felt still um, kind of like uh, in that weird, like, dark humor that he has in the movie that it works really well. Like, how I would feel maybe some of us um, in our group of friends would kind of react the same way. Maybe not, obviously, as eloquent as humor as he is, but nonetheless, I think it would be something similar to that aspect. Um, and uh, yeah, I think for that I liked it a lot. Um, so yeah, that's uh, my number eight, uh, Palm Springs. Right on. All right, that's a fun movie. Um, uh, Luke. All right, uh, my number seven is a Spike Lee joint, The Fine Bloods. Oh, look at that! That's two Spike Lee stuff. What do you mean? Isn't uh, Beastie Boys Spike Jones? Spike Jones. Oh, wow. I got that wrong in my head. Uh, right. My bad. Yeah. Scratch that from the record. Continue. It released on Netflix. Uh, one of the great Netflix originals for this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, a movie about uh, four guys going back to Vietnam to uh, find a bunch of gold bars that they hid back in Nam. And obviously, now they're much older. They all have their own problems. And it's just interesting like how they changed along the years, you know? All the shit they have to go through now just to try to find this gold. And I think what we'll spread the ashes. Uh, well, to find the, their fallen comrade. Yes. Because yes. he was left behind. Well, yes. his body, I guess, was left behind at the time next to the Yeah, gold. I think it's his dog tags or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I guess so. Probably that. Um, I, I, the only reason I'm interrupting you is because it is my number seven as well. Oh, so nice. Nice. Combine it if you want. Um, right on. Nice. Two for. Right, pretty rare, yeah. and it has uh, the you know recently passed away Chadwick Boseman in it. Mm-hmm. This was one of his final movies, I think. I'm sure looking if you look at that movie after you know right now, like if you watch it again now, it might feel a little closer to home because his character is dead in the in the future, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Right. so it's yeah. it is closer to home. Yeah. I would say so. But man, this movie's great. I mean, it's, it's super sad. It took this long to have a. Vietnam War movie, you know, that takes through the perspective of, uh, you know, black people. It's just insane how this is the first one. It took this long. It's insane considering how many war movies there are and how much Vietnam is covered in war movies. Um, and But even even aside from that, it, it has all these wonderful perspectives on the nature of being there when for a country that doesn't like you, that wants to kill you and lynch you. Um, it has a lot of elements and angles regarding that. And it has a lot of like, you know, different aspects of uh, PTSD or trauma in general that, you know, makes these men uh, 
colorful, of course, interesting, obviously, but also extremely fucked up. Um, especially for Delroy Lindell's character, who is uh, by far the best performance in the movie. He's also the loudest, but it happens to also mean, for me, it also happens to be my favorite performance of the movie. And he just kills it. Oh my God, he kills it. He kills it. It's such a great style. And Spike Lee has really leaned in heavy over the last like 10, 15 years on this, on these, um, these things where like he is trying to educate as well as entertain you as he's entertaining you by showing you these things where like a character would mention someone and the, the movie will literally take an extra minute of ex- talking about this historical person that is something historically awesome that no one maybe knows or not enough people know. And, and the movie will just quietly tell you real quick about him or her or, or, or the event. And it's wonderful. And it's like a great thing that, that uh, I love how he does it, you know, and it works. It doesn't work well with all of his movies or even all of the time in, in the best movies. Um, I, I remember in Black Klansman, there was like once or twice where like it felt like it did interrupt, but it overall works. Um, so yeah, The Five Bloods, my number seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, number seven. Yep. Perfect. Uh, it's funny. I didn't even notice that we had the same number. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We both wrote a list before. We never, we didn't fucking pay attention. Uh, all right. So that's number seven. Raph, what's your number six? My number seven. Oh, yeah. Number seven. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, my number seven is uh, Sound of Metal. This is Amazon's original nice. movie that Whoa. Luke missed out on, the one movie that he probably yeah, should have watched. Um, I'll get on it probably tonight or tomorrow. And then I'll tell you the topic, and then you should probably watch it even faster. Uh, a heavy metals drummer's life is thrown into a free fall when he begins to lose his hearing. Um, and it's uh, uh, this is uh, starring Riz Ahmed, Olivia Cook, and Paul R- uh, Racy, Rossi. Anyways, um, so this one was also did a review on it in episode one eighteen with me just recently. Um, and then uh, so yeah, the sound of metal was uh, this is really cool like uh, take on, and they do like this super experimental thing take on I'm like the just loss of hearing and not to ruin anything in the movie but literally in the fucking description um and then you get like the movie does this cool like uh, uh almost experiment for the audience of like how it would portray not having to be hearing things not hearing things and or just uh, muffled sounds and stuff like that so we get a lot of perspectives on uh Riz Ahmed's character who i think i can't get his name ruben um who plays ruben in the movie and uh, yeah, it's a it's and it's just a story about like him dealing with it and uh, kind of like going through life um, or trying to get through and learning sign language and stuff like that. And the, the movie's obviously uh, there's more to it, but just the aspect that it takes um, and it's uh, and having to just kind of overcome this new situation in his life uh, is is really fucking scary and uh, and and uh really hard at the same time and it's uh it's a super i, I think the movie i think the movie should have a little bit uh, probably doubled down a little bit more on overall the 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 lack of hearing hmm. um but at the same time i did appreciate everything about it i mean i get you're trying to sell it to the public so like it would have been a weirder movie in that aspect but i probably would have like loved it more for it maybe um so yeah and uh i don't know it was just like this super cool movie to watch uh, or subject to watch about this uh this tragic thing to happen to somebody and then the choices that the person makes and why the person makes them as well um this is where i don't want to spoil the movie um but you can totally listen to it in that episode that we did already uh except for you look you can go watch it and then um 
yeah, so uh, I totally recommend this movie, and it's um, uh, I knew it was going to be on my list somewhere once I saw it. Um, I just needed to like think more on it, um, and uh, it's a it's a cool it's a cool like kind of message to one, um, and I uh, I appreciate overall the movie. So yeah, that's a uh, sound of metal. Yes, awesome. That's a short list for me too. Great fucking movie. Um, it also works better with time. Like the more I think back on it, the more I kind of like it for me. Um, yeah, awesome. That's on Prime. That's your number seven. And um, Luke, your number six. All right, my number six is The Trial of the Chicago 7. Ah, okay. You got the Sorkin in here, huh? Mm-hmm. Directed and written by the, uh, the fucking Aaron Sorkin. So, you know, the dialogue is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, let's see, um, you know, story of the seven people on trial stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising of the 1960 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. Hmm. Or Illinois. Depends where you're from. Ew. <laughs> uh, it's just a, a I mean, great historical drama. You know, something about, I never knew about this whole thing, the whole Chicago 7 or the Democratic National Conference in 1968. I knew nothing about this. And I was really intrigued by these, you know, uh, seven characters. Um, Aaron Sorkin's Technically writing nine. is amazing. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Aaron Sorkin's writing is amazing. The performances by, like, Eddie Redmayne and Sasha Baron Cohen are really great. Especially, I, I didn't even recognize Sasha Baron Cohen until I saw his name in the fucking credits. <laughs> and I felt so dumb. And I'm like, oh my god, how could I not see that? I mean, he was just that good. No, I agreed. I agreed on that. He's just not chameleon, but he is a little like that. He can be if he wants to. That man is a good actor. But definitely check it out if you get the chance. And it's on Netflix, so one of those Netflix originals. So Yeah, it probably was slated for job. a big release too on theaters. Oh, I bet. But I bet it was. Because uh, his, his movies do play, I mean, for all the dialogue that it is, it, it plays surprisingly well in theaters. And I love um, all the flashbacks and, like, you're trying to find out what happened. And as the movie progresses, you find out more and more. And you're just like, eh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's The Trial of the Chicago 7. That's another Netflix here. I believe that's, like, our second or third one. Um, well, at right. least my two in a row. Oh, then it's probably our fourth one. Because I know Ralph had one. I had one already. Um, okay. So that's his number six. And my number six is an indie movie that, um, yes, was slated for a theatrical release, but not as not as big, though. It definitely, this director kind of makes more headway in the uh, in the streaming or rental business. And it's called uh, First Cow. It's Kelly mm-hmm. Reichert's latest movie, First Cow, and one of her best in, in the, as far as her last few. It's like my favorite of the last few. Not that I have to compare everything, but she makes very personal, really cool, like very um, emotionally charge-driven movies and really like quiet stories. Or she tells like big stories quietly. And I really love her her style in general. Um, I've seen, I think, all of her movies. Maybe not one. But here's, uh, here's a description for First Cow. A skilled cook has traveled west and joined a group of fur trappers in Oregon though he only finds true connection with a Chinese immigrant also seeking his fortune. Soon, the two collaborate on a successful business. And it stars uh, the two guys, I should say, is... Um, you're not going to fuck me on this, are you? It's uh, Joe John Magaro as Cookie. Hello. And then King Lou is played by or- or- Orion Lee. 
or Orion Lee? Orion, let's go with Orion. Um, it's based off a novel, The Half-Life, uh, and it's uh, obviously a screenplay and written by, directed by Kelly Reichardt. Um, anyway, so um, I'm so glad I got into the Kelly Reichardt bandwagon a long time ago, and uh, I found out about her through film school, um, and I never regretted it, and it's great, and I love her style, and this movie is one of my favorite movies of all time, granted, of all time, that talk about capitalism and American dreams and American capitalism shown through through example, through uh, this long, maybe uh, some would call a long cautionary tale, what these two are trying to do, right? The baker and the and the Chinese guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, among other things, and it shows like, while it's showing all this, it's showing you how life was, how really dirty everyone was all the time. <laughs> Fuck how, yes. How the big, the highest standard of living was our shittiest standard of living by far, <laughs> you know? And, um, and it shows that how much work there is. And this is great. This is a great line in the movie. And I'm, I'm going to, I don't have the exact line in my head, but it goes something like the, the future, the future hasn't arrived here yet. And the idea is that they're going to have to work extremely hard to get to where we are today in this century, you know? Um, to be able to have like for someone else to have the dream of becoming a baker or whatever they want to do. And it's like, it's the work that the groundwork, literally ground working in the ground to, um, the groundwork that it requires to, to make this country for good and bad, uh, uh, the, 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 the country that it is today. And I had, I love all of the wonderful, you know, metaphors to that stuff. And the movie is just, 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 wonderful it is wonderful to watch i know it made my short list and i'm had to cut it out yeah i I don't want to say too much i do want people to see it it is criminally underwatched (laughs) i was surprised that like when i first thought saw this movie i was like this is gonna be stupid yeah fuck it's good yeah i i kind of agree with i mirror that uh that 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 feeling i'm glad i'm glad it worked on you guys i can see it not working on a lot of people (laughs) also horrible like um picture for the movie oh god yes. it's literally just a cow anyway it's a cow, and it's it's like a cow. A cow you barely even see in that river she's always yeah like, mm, right mm, yeah that's mm. true yeah. you're like uh, yeah. oh shit this is literally about a cow <laughs> 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 when you see the part like you think like oh maybe it's something about it. nope there's a fucking cow and you're like oh okay yeah, no they weren't they were, it's not they weren't joking um yeah. i'm glad it's not about like the cow's point, point of view the whole time that'd be that horrible be fuck that movie that would be that would be weird uh, okay, so that's my number uh, six. Uh, Roth, your number six. Uh, my number six is a movie that came out early in the year uh, that I think me and Oscar watched in theaters. Can you believe that shit? Um, what, what is that? I've heard of that before. Uh, I don't know. I think so it's a big room with a big screen and they put movies on. And everyone's six next to each other. It's so crazy. Yeah. Um, and if yeah. you're lucky, you can get a Hummer. <laughs> A handy at best. Anyways, uh, well, so this one, okay. Uh, let me. This one is uh, the Invisible Man, uh, starring Elizabeth Moss, and let's just leave it at that because I mean her performance is fucking amazing in this movie. Um, and uh, I do want to talk about like I, this is like uh, haven't we seen this movie like three hundred times, right, Oscar? Yeah, yes, yes. Or this role or whatever. Um, and I will say also to uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen who plays. Um, her uh her husband in the movie the yeah. invisible man per se uh he's fucking perfect face to be the asshole 
role for this movie. Um, controlling a freak so yeah, and that's actually why I like this movie a lot. That's why I made my number six. Um, probably should be a little bit higher, but like I said, numbers are irrelevant anyways in top tens. Every, the whole thing is irrelevant. Um, so this one was one of those like I, I man, I, it hit me home a lot because like I I never want to be that guy to be like that controlling friend. I hate like having to control like everything and if being that guy I, I feel like i could become that guy if you gave me the option to i just never want to become that guy and like it kind of hit home for me with that and just like i would never want to treat somebody how she gets treated in this movie um just completely f- fucking mental case of like just <laughs> messing with her and just yeah. like what she has to go through and seeing her suffer through that man it's like it breaks my heart to be honest with you um but elizabeth moss has a fucking fantastic job at um playing this like uh victim but also like heroin in the movie um and it's just like i don't know man it's it's a really fucked up movie to watch um to just like for that for those reasons alone um and i think the movie actually does like a really cool angle on that aspect and just the fact that it focuses on that aspect and doesn't shy from talking about it and i think it's obviously we're at a different point in our lives um or just also generation wise 2020 and all that stuff, we're more open to talk about stuff like that, and um, see it as a problem, instead of just kind of letting it slide, um, as we would have maybe in the, even 90s, just 20 years ago, I know, sounds crazy, but (laughs) it's 20 years ago, um, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't address it as much as we would, you know, especially now, we call that shit out real quick, um, and which is a good thing, so, uh, but yeah, that, the, just, I think, the performance alone on her end, and obviously the the finale that happens, fantastic. Um, don't want to spoil that. But just, uh, I think her performance just kind of pushes the movie really well. And the fact of how it's, what the subject matter is talking about. And I think the movie goes just overall, like, it looks good graphically when they do the Invisible Man part stuff. Um, so obviously technology, we're, we're, we're pretty far up there. Uh, and yeah, so uh, I just thought the movie was really cool. Uh, you should totally watch just for Elizabeth Moss. You should watch anything that Elizabeth Moss is in anyway. And I don't know why you're not, but yeah, um, right. yeah. So this is uh, Invisible Man. Definitely go watch it. I think you'll have fun. Anybody for any kind of party. Um, there's no reason why you wouldn't enjoy this movie. Okay. I say shortlist too for me. Yeah, fucking great movie. I missed it. Very scary. Every Very... time I thought about it, I thought it was a 2019 movie. Well, it came out like so early in the I year. Know. I think. Yeah. It yeah. makes you look at an empty room and like just freak out about it. Bro, like, you don't even know. I want to throw a shoe in the corner for yeah. no reason. Sometimes, just like, right? So, what the yeah. fuck is that guy? Um. <laughs> Black GI. Is it fair to serve more than the white Americans that sent you here? Nothing is more confused than to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's going on. I dedicate this next record to the Soul Brothers of the 1st Infantry Divisions. Be safe. Gentlemen, welcome back to Vietnam. Look what I found. You're the man in all his glory. Who was that guy? That brother was the best damn soldier that ever lived. I have no place to stay. 
bury it. They don't. We come back and collect. I shall resign the presidency. Being back here, it is not easy. All right, Luke. So what's your number five? Halfway point. All right, halfway, yeah. And it's funny because I think my next three movies uh, have already been mentioned at some capacity. Oh, really? Yes. Very nice. Can't wait. So number five is Uncle Frank, the Amazon uh, Prime Video one. The shell. The shilling is coming in. Shut up now. No, no, no. (laughs) It's just a really good movie. And the reason it made this list because it's very impactful, I think. You know, seeing Mm -hmm. this man's... uh, uh, you know, kind of journey and back in like the 1970s, you know, f- coming out to his family and, uh, you know, going through his flashbacks of dealing with his father and, you know, the stuff, you know, his father kind of did to him, and messed him up and all kinds of stuff just because of who he was. And then he was a gay man and fucking in fucking South Carolina. And, you know, from what his yeah. age was like with the fifties to sixties and seventies, but luckily, you know, he got out, moved to a more accepting place, but, yeah, uh, this movie took a crazy turn at one point, you know, when they had in one of the flashbacks, I had no idea. And it's, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but it's really goddamn good. And so one of the things that just kind of just stuck with me after seeing the movie. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I read a whole thing about uh, the actor, uh, Paul Bettany. Yeah. Apparently his father was gay. And I think at one point after his father's uh, partner passed away, uh, he became like oh, his father became like a recluse, and like just uh, those thinking you know, he was like he was doing like a sin or something and trying to like you know make up for it and just kind of just stayed in the closet type of thing. It's really sad to hear. So I think this was a very kind of personal. maybe personal role for Paul, but I think he did a a great job with it. Oh, I, I didn't know that element. I don't think we mentioned it in a review. But I didn't awesome. know about it. I, I mean, think awesome. after the fact. So it's, it's nice. Well, yeah, that would make sense because you probably didn't know about the movie beforehand. Yeah, I guess so. Um, awesome, that's that's great. So that's our is that that's that is that our first uh, double? No, what do you mean? You guys no. had the first double. Yeah. Okay, that's right. That's right. Well, uh, literally at the same time. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Unknowingly, it just felt like one. Right. It felt like one. Unknowingly. <laughs> so that's our second double. I expect others too. Uh, I, I you know not only because it's like a a drought year in movies or in movie watching. But uh, I think in general, like, you know, I think we're more in sync uh, in the movies this year. So um, with that said, number, my number five is a movie that I know you both haven't seen. And I know I made your I made your um, missed opportunities list. Right. It's uh, The Nest. It was the, the film that didn't get reviewed, that almost right. got reviewed. I, almost. Reviewed. So close. Right. right. And I picked Pixar's soul instead in that one. But anyway, The Nest. Here's a description. Life for an entrepreneur and his American family begins to take a twisted turn after moving into a, into an English country manor. And that sounds like the opening of a horror movie. It is not. This is a pure drama. The horror of it is how we treat each other as humans, really, <laughs> is the thing. And this movie, I was excited to watch it, not only because it stars Jude Law and Carrie Coon. Uh, Carrie Coon, my personal favorite TV actress from The Leftovers of uh, a lot of time, of all time she was also like in a in a season of fargo i say season mm. three and other little things you know she was also watch those shows and game. yeah you gotta watch <laughs> monday 
she was in the Marvel uh, Infinity War and Endgame, but she was a, such a small role that barely did anything. But anyway, this is uh, written and directed by Sean Durkin, which is the second primary reason I wanted to see it. The guy who did his last movie, which is uh, Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, who I'm a big fan of. And it's going to be involved in my marathon when we start the new year proper. Um, and he hasn't made a movie since. It's been so long. But I'm so glad that he made this. And I'm so glad I loved it. Um, differently, of course, because they're both different movies. But they're not also different movies. It's about human human shit, human trauma, hum- what the capacity of human problems and dynamics and stuff like that. Um, so it is the same, but not the same at all. Um, this movie is so good, guys. It's, it's, it, it grows even better every day in my head. Originally, when I had seen it, it took me a while because the movie doesn't really get going. And there's no plot, really. There is a plot. There is some, you know, things do happen. There's a progression of events. And there is like that slow and yet not very slow uh, deconstruction of the psyche, you know, for each character in different ways. Because they also have a boy and a girl and it, and it counts them, too. They're part of the main show, too. Um, and uh, it's, it does go somewhere, but it doesn't look like it's going anywhere for like 40 minutes. And what you're realizing is that you're watching a movie. You're watching them on the precipice of of horrific change, like change thrust upon them. And it's through the actions of, you know, in many ways you could say that Jude Law would be the antagonist of the, of the movie because of his actions, because of uh, the, the nuclear family ordeal or uh, code that he is the head of the family and his decisions, his job, it matters more than other things. Uh, the movie tackles with that a lot. Carrie Coons... Um, why figure is perfect in what she is trying to escape from as far as those conventions and what they, what, you know, what her mother fucking calls it. Like, just be a wife and be happy. Like, you know, bullshit like that. It's a really interesting movie. Um, it is a very, like, very powerful kind of hammer-hitting version of, like, a relationship breakup movie. So watch it with uh, without your partner, is what I'm saying. Um Unless, unless you're both so safe and secure, which is just a movie ultimately, so you should you should be fine. But it is like marriage story quality of like shit. You know, your couple and your spouse or whatever might have problems on the same level with you uh, if you watch this movie together. But it's fantastic. It is super fantastic. Uh, great performances by a, by a long shot. Uh, I recommend it highly. It is the Nest, which um, you know you can you can rent it on Amazon Prime actually, but that's. Now, I think you now you can rent it on VOD. It wasn't at the time available that way, but now you can rent it on VOD as well. And obviously, you can buy it digitally as well as probably in Blu-ray form somewhere. Um, so that's The Nest. Uh, that's my number five. Uh, uh, Raf, what's your number five? Um, my number five is a movie that I think uh, you had on your top ten already, Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's First Cow. Nice. Um, right, Mike, you're the one who had it? Yes. Uh, so yeah, the, um, this is like, I, I think we, I think we established this when you reviewed it, Oscar, it's, um, or when you reviewed it, when we talked about it right now in the top 10, it's, uh, it's one of those movies where like, I think you have to let it sit, uh, just like to, to definitely think about. And, um, it is totally a movie about like capitalism and the American way, I guess, in its finest. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is. I, I mean, and also we reviewed this uh, movie on episode of 110. Anyways, um, and uh, so yeah. Diligence. You're welcome. Anyways, uh, so yeah, this movie, uh, at first, I didn't really like it, to be honest with you, And I watching the movie, and I was like, um, I don't get it. 
I was like, what's the point? I also like was kind of negligent to watch the movie because it's just like, the fuck is called First Cow? Why is there a cow in this fucking thing? Anyways, and this is and that. And then, uh, I mean, it just makes sense. It's like, what, what are you willing to do? That's a big question. What are you willing to do for your business? You know, what are you willing to do for you to succeed? Right? Um, and it's, uh, I mean, I mean some, some, to some people, anything, right? Um, other people, um, maybe not as much, right? And maybe you won't be as successful. But uh, that's a very important question in this movie. And then also just like overall, the struggle of having to do stuff in those times. And uh, like you said, the uncleanliness, capital UN and that yeah. word. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it called? Of the fact that just like, <sighs> I don't know, I could just die from the f- anything, I guess, at this anything. point. Anything. <laughs> so it's just like, it is crazy. Like in order what you, what would you have to do to be successful? And uh, it's, a, I don't know. It was a, it was a cool movie and cool. Like uh, it just uh, makes you think about it. And it's definitely one of those. I, I wanted to rewatch it right after I saw it. Not not right right after, more like the week after. Um, but uh, thinking more about it and just like kind of watching small clips and remembering the movie. Um, I didn't need to rewatch it again, but I just made me think uh, a lot about how, um, like, what it's like. I guess just the main question of like, what 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 are you willing to do to what what the, what's it going to take for you to uh, what's what is your limit on doing something? I guess. And then, um, but it's also like the message of like America almost, and I hate to say it because it kind of falls perfectly, but, uh, with a lot of metaphors with current stuff and things that I've seen in just American culture overall. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. yeah. So, uh, it's super, super cool in that way. Um, but it's, uh, it's a definitely movie you should watch. And, uh, I think it's on Showtime. You can watch it. Um, if you needed to see it. Uh, but yeah, that's first cow. And, uh, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. That's your number five. Uh, our third double so far. Nice. Um, and then we're on to our number fours. Luke, right. what's your number four? Right. My number four is a very confusing movie by the name of Tenet. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> our fifth double. Yes. Hey. Uh, this, hey. I said, when I was like watching this movie, and I'm like, yeah, I, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. And then when I left the movie, and I'm like, I am not getting it. <laughs> but I want to watch it again and again, and but it's so good. I mean, the whole kind of backwards thing and everything—you know—it's it's it's nuts. That highway scene. Oh my god! It's, I, don't, I don't know how they do it, dude. It's awesome. It's you know what's crazy good. though? Like, you know how they did the stuff in like you know backwards and like I thought, oh, they probably did this forwards and then they just you know reversed it. Mm-hmm. But no, they actually had to redo yeah. it. Yeah, mind blown. Mind blown. So they had to redo that, and it looked like it, all the squibs so and all seamless. the right, right. Everything was perfect. Yeah, yeah. You, you learn how to fight backwards. You know, That's so how do you weird. fight backwards? How do you fight uh, reverse? I don't. It's just such a oh, so good. So I, I even after know. they explain it, I'm like, how does that work? I don't know. Right. I have to like drop something to catch. It. Like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> movie. I, I mean, the movie. I think you wanted to rewind the movie. Right there at that point, and be like, right. "All right, what did you just say?" Yeah, okay, say it again. again. And pretend I'm a kindergartner. What did <laughs> say you it say? again. All right, give me a visual representation, and then do it all over again because I didn't understand anything. Okay, yeah, no, it's it's a great movie, and it just sucks that you know, COVID kind of fucked it. Yeah, so. and and in many ways, you know, kind of showed uh, Christopher Nolan not in a very good light regarding his like complete like strictness and 
mm-hmm. unwavering, you know, unwavering, yeah. you know, whatever stubbornness, right? To like fucking put it in theaters regardless. Uh, and first for months before it came out on in December, right? On VOD and Blu-ray. So yeah, it's uh, it doesn't doesn't bode well. Other movies no. got the fuck out of there. The James Bond movie, like nope, fucking twenty twenty one, baby. Furious, Fast and Furious ten or number nine, whatever. Nope, um, you know. Yeah, awesome though. Uh, Tenet, Tenet, Palindrome. Yeah, we love yeah. Palindrome. Tenet backwards yeah. is Tenet. Yeah, I think I think Luke loves Palindromes more than you do. But yeah, uh, it's not competition. I really like Palindromes. Uh, I guess I'm not See? in love with them. Yeah, love. I mean, that's strong. Right? Um, do you love Palindromes, Luke? Who doesn't? No, I mean, love. I don't know. Love's a very strong word. I don't know if I could commit that much, See but I do saying? have a strong yearning for it. Luke. <laughs> So stupid. Sounds Y'all just little, can't commit to anything. Sounds a little Jesus. erotic. What the fuck? I don't want to just drop love for everything. Oh my god, that's saying drop love for everything. Well, well that's exactly what I'm saying that I'm not doing. So, <sighs> my number four. It's a movie I don't think either of you have seen. It's called Possessor. Possessor is a movie uh, I've recently watched, and it's um, one of the recent shows, uh, Discoveries, that I talked about. It is the latest, or the second movie, I should say, by Brandon Cronenberg, who is David Cronenberg's son, <laughs> he came out uh, with a movie uh, several years ago called uh, Antiviral, which I found very gross and unique. Um, not unlike his father's movies, you know, uh, chip off the old block is uh, is correct. And, you know, I- I'm always curious about that kind of thing. Like, did they grow up like thinking the same? But how does that work? Because there's two different people. He doesn't have to make this kind of movies as his father did. But he is, and he's he is putting his own stamp, his own style to it. Uh, they are not the same movies. They just they just show very similar types of like, you know, outside the cultural norm kind of fucked up things. You know, um, Possessor. I saw the uncut version, which is the only way you should watch this movie. I right, so I heard um, about this one. Yeah, dude, it is fucked up. The uncut. Mm-hmm. It's like it is so nice. I mean, because I like the horror stuff. It was so cool. I just I was totally with the movie. And the movie grows, again, much like The Nest, it grew a lot better in my estimation as time passed. I've only seen it once, and I cannot wait to see it again. This is rewatchable for me. Um, it stars uh, Andrea Riceboro, who is chameleon level. Like, Jesus, you can make her look any age, I think. Uh, uh, man, she's such a, a really good actress. Anyway, uh, Christopher Abbott, Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, those are the top ones, and, and Rasa Sutherland. I guess, and then um, there's other bigger ones. I forgot their names. I'm not looking that hard. Anyway, but Possessor's description is, uh, is as follows. Possessor follows an agent who works for a secretive organization that uses brain implant technology to inhabit other people's bodies, ultimately driving them to commit assassinations for high-paying play- uh, high clients. And um, awesome fucking concept. Right off the bat. I love it. Just like Antivero. Awesome concept that you can almost, in a Black Mirror sense, kind of see it happening. Uh, but this movie, just fucking... <laughs> the idea of being in another body, the 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 precautionary... Like the caution stuff, like the uh, protocols. Sorry, pr- that's what I'm say. The protocols in place on this organization that Andrea Riceboro's character, who is the assassin in the movie, she has to, like... In you know, endure herself inside a body, and in this case, she goes into inside a body of a man, and you know, living in this man, controlling his mind, and the consequences that fucking gets there to the third act. It's just so fucking awesome, and it 
says a lot about the fucking human nature, a really dark side of human nature. It says a lot about the when the chips are down kind of question, like what do you really care about? Um, and the answer will be freaky and will be dark, at least for the characters in this movie. So check it out. I highly recommend it. It's a very good horror movie. It is my favorite horror movie of the year. Uh, Possessor does not rep- does not disappoint. I will totally buy it by the Blu-ray. So that's my number four. Awesome. Did you say Blyid? What's Blyid? But, but yeah, Blyid. No, you get the Blyid, and then okay. you can buy it. Oh it's no, I'm trying to remember. This is the movie with like the shit stained underwear. The shit stained underwear. Yeah, apparently oh. this guy was talking about this in another podcast, and. There was like this really disturbing scene where this guy picks up like a pair of panties and said they're like a shit stain. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. what the? I kind of, I kind of remember that. I, I just remember the eye popping scene and the other stuff. Like I remember other things way more. Uh, or the body switching thing when they when she loses control. It's like I remember that yeah, stuff Brian. way more than the fucking shit stain scene. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, and, it, and you know, I could keep talking about it, but there's other really cool stuff they show in the world because it's in the future. It's in the near future. So it's really cool stuff that they add in there for detail that you guys will totally like. Anyway, so uh, that's Possessive Man number four. Uh, Ruff, you're number four. Uh, my number four, that four now? Jesus. Yes. That's fast. Yep. Uh, my number four is uh, Weathering With You. Wow, can I finish speaking? My number four is Weathering With You, as Luke totally ruined that part. Um, uh, did we review this? I don't think we reviewed it. Um, and if we did, maybe we just talked about it real quick. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, this is a movie, animated movie. It's my first animated movie. Um, that came out technically in 2019, but we didn't get it here until 2020. Am I correct? Right? Uh, uh, yes. yes. Perfect. Uh, a high school boy who has run away to Tokyo befriends a girl who appears to be able to manipulate the weather, which is um, totally true. And uh, it's uh, such a cool little movie that uh, is like magical in its own way. Um, that, uh, but at the same time, I don't know. Uh, obviously, a love story, but magical in its own way. But it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's like totally like unplausible in this world you know what i'm saying um uh, obviously it's all fake but what i'm saying is like in the world uh and i don't know it was like this cool sorry this cool little movie that uh that i just liked i guess overall the aspect of how the characters um what's it called take uh what's it called their point of view for, from each other, uh, Riza Ahmed is technically in this in the English version. If you listen to, if you watched it in oh, English, I think really? I saw. Yeah, yeah, he plays that Takai. Um, and uh, I did want to mention that one. Sorry, because we had Riza Ahmed in another movie already. Um, so yeah, this one is. Uh, I, I I don't know. I just liked a lot about like overall like how their relationship was, and it's like a but it's a shitty circumstance for um, for both people both aspects and i feel like we don't get a lot of that i think like a lot of people are already like in like hunky dory situations where everything's like whatever and they're just kind of like trying to find something to fill their life in and these guys are kind of just trying to live through their lives um and it's like hey uh but at the same time you know shit happens and they're just uh their struggles through it uh i don't know 
Um, I'm trying to explain the movie, but I don't want to ruin things either. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it either, so... Yeah, I know. I'm trying not to really say too much about for you. Um, And I'm sure uh, uh, Luke would probably mirror me here. I don't want to ruin anything. But uh, I don't know. I just... Overall, I mean, obviously the animation is really good on it, um, which is directed and written by uh, Makoto uh, Shinkai. Um, And I don't know, man. I just uh, really... Really like the story and how the chemistry worked out for the the two main characters, um, and the it's like the super like I don't know like kind of like basic story, and I've seen it everywhere before. But how it works out, it just plays out really well, um, and uh, the weather controlling thing that they have going on is super cool because she can control the weather for some dumb reason, um, but it works out. And like I said, it's for the world, how like I think they do a really good job of like fitting that to make it feel believable in the world, even though it's like just not plausible in like real life. <laughs> right. But like they, I, I bring it up because it feels like real life because of like where they are in Tokyo. It just feels like one of those one of those things, but it's animated. So like it's just they do a good job of like putting you in that world. Um, you're wrong. Uh, so yeah, that's uh weathering with you. I don't want to really talk too much more about it. Um. So yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got for my number. F- where we're at, number four. Number four, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Good pick. I'm sure that's not the last time we'll hear of this particular movie. So let's go on to Luke's number three. All right, my number three, like I said, is another one that's already been mentioned. So ha. Ah! Yeah, so seventh one. <laughs> yeah, uh, the social dilemma, a documentary. Nice. Very yeah. short list on this one. It's like right. number eleven. Um, honestly, very impactful documentary that's why it's so high on my list especially what what, with what just happened like a week or two ago with fucking people raiding this capitol building Uh, yeah right so it's very timely we live in in this world now yeah i mean fucking the social media has been you know used for things like you know people's it's affecting people's mental health fucking the health of uh adolescents the rising of suicide teens uh, suicide teen rates it's crazy now you have you know it's a huge influence in politics to to uh political polarization you know the left thinks the right's going to destroy the world the right thinks the left's going to destroy the world and we've never been more separated because we're in these fucking echo chambers and we only see one side and it's it's destroying us and then you got people like the fucking q on people with their uh, oh pizza gate conspiracies and the flat earth you just, want me to just yell at this podcast yell into this <laughs> so yeah yes. it's crazy and i mean as soon as i saw this documentary i was like yeah people need to see this watch this because yeah. the people that are in this and they're, they're i mean fucking fucking facebook engineers google engineers people who founded all kinds of companies. I mean, they're all in there and they're telling you straight up, this is what we created. This is what it was for. Right. Yeah. Like this, everything's engineered to get you hooked and just to watch so you could stay on there longer. So you could sell ads and, you know, you are nothing but a user, you know, you are the product. So yeah, yeah it's crazy, man. But it's really good documentary. It might be the year's most important movie. It, you know? It's super important it right now. <sighs> Yeah, I would agree with you. 100%. I feel like that. I feel like that's a proper label for that. <clears throat> no, but that's. Uh, I mean, Rafa already talked about it, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, very good. I mean, that's not on my list, but I echo what you guys are saying. I, I'm on your side in this one. 
hundred percent, guys. Everyone watch it. And also, it's entertaining too. It's not like it's a hard to watch or anything. It's super easy to watch. Right? Yeah, because it so. it has that whole family like dramatization mm-hmm. thing, you know. Yeah. So I have a bunch of things. Yeah, definitely. The guy from Mad Men's on it. So yeah, uh, <laughs> the the asshole from Mad Men. I forgot his name. Um, anyway, uh, so that's your number. Is that three? Right. That's your number, number three. Number three. Yep. Right. My number three is an interesting, weird thing. I don't, there's no real description. I'm just going to go off the cuff on this one. It is on HBO Max. Uh, my first HBO thing. It's called David Byrne's American Utopia, and it is its genre is a concert documentary. So just like Hamilton, <laughs> it is uh, it is what that is. Yeah, that's exactly exactly what it is. Um, <clears throat> uh, now David Byrne is um, he's not like a, a huge hero of mine or anything like that. I definitely have always known about him. Have definitely always been a huge fan of him. Um, I've always liked his music. He was the leader, or maybe the leader, but at least one of the main heads of of a famous 80s band called the Talking Heads. Do you guys know them? It sounds familiar. Have yeah, it sounds familiar. I'm pretty sure I do. If you guys heard the if you guys hear the top five most listened to songs, you'll be like you will you will recognize each of them. They're pretty popular. But uh you see them in movies and TV shows a lot. Anyway, and this is uh he's not like doing I mean there's some new stuff in this for sure. It's like a concert doc, right? So it's him with music and but it's performances, and it's also has theme, and it also has messages, and it also has uh, very interesting things to say, and very th- interesting things to highlight about really what is beautiful about humanity in a lot of ways. And a lot of it does touch on some of the problems going on, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement. There's a little bit of that for sure. Entire song devoted to it, and the way they do it is very creative and very. Um, you know, staying in its power, like you believe, you know, you remember it after. And I'm kind of also talking around it because I do think both of you will love this fucking concert doc. And he has like little riffs uh, where he's like talking to the audience, right? And it feels like a like a like a stand up comedy bit where he's just talking about himself, preparing the next song, and just like letting it loose, and then going back in it, and just going back out, and just giving you another little thing, and then going back in for the next one. And each one is performed uh, amazingly. This crew of dancers or and artists. Now they're all artists. They all they all do their singing. They all do their dancing. They all do their uh, instrument playing, and they switch it up. They have different background sets and everything. At one point, actually at several points throughout uh, the this live stage concert doc uh, becomes an actual television show. By which I mean they use the backdrop. The, the curtains, the, the, black, the, you know, the blackness of the space, they use all this stuff to make it look like you're watching a television screen. And you actually, your mind gets tricked into it. it like, it's fascinating watching something. You know it's live. Like, there's an audience, and it was a camera on a stage, and then you catch yourself thinking you're watching a television show that's not live. And it's a very interesting effect. Um, so I, I guess I'll give that as a nice little caveat there. But yeah. It is a, a wonderful, amazing piece of creative storytelling, creative uh, sound, you know, orchestration, whatever words that lead to this. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. I was so surprised by it. Obviously, I've always liked David Byrne. Like I said, I've seen, I mean, my favorite concert doc before, you know, one of them at least of, of all time might be the, the, one, he, the one he did, uh, the one Jonathan Demi did. What's it called? Stop Making Sense. Came out in the 80s. Uh, it's my my favorite of all. It's a lot of people's favorites too. So I'm not like fucking. It's like the Godfather of concert docs, but it is so fucking great. And he does that as a point in 2020. 
So check it out on HBO Max. All right. It's, it's on my list. Three. Yes. Oh, I know you. Were, uh, yeah, you'll totally dig it. Um, all right. So what's your number three, uh, Roth? Sorry. My number three is, uh, I don't know. I've, I don't think we've mentioned that yet. Did we? No, we did. Luke mentioned that at number seven. Uh, that's the Five Bloods. Or the Five Bloods. The Five Bloods? Duh. Duh. Um, anyways. Okay. Uh, this was on uh, episode 106. Yeah, 106. Sorry. On the podcast, if you want to listen to the review. Anyways. Um, this is uh, di- directed by Spike Lee. Uh, four African-American vets battle the forces of man and nature when they return to Vietnam seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide. Uh, this is one of the last movies. Um, sorry. Uh, what's it called? Of um, Oh my god. Why can't I find them? Chadwick Boseman? Uh, yeah, the Boseman. Sorry. Of the Chadwick Bose. Boseman. And the Bozeman, there he is. Uh, Storm and Norman, sorry, I had Storm and Norman's name, and I was like, dude, what the fuck is his name in, in, in real life? Um, uh, yeah, so this is one of his last movies, and like uh, Luke had mentioned earlier, and I gotta say, um, I actually liked a lot of like what happens, um, well, first, I like the relationship, and how unique they are to each other, um, and how, how unique they are to each other, and how they kind of like uh, have grown, or um, what's it called? Lost connection with since their time in Vietnam, um, and there's a lot of past stuff going on in the Vietnam stuff. And I actually, I want to say, I first, I, I had like, I still have a little bit of mixed feelings. Like, I, I kind of like it and hate it. Where they have, they're like the same people. They didn't, they didn't really get other actors to act themselves as younger versions, you know. Um, and yeah. but at the same time, they. It makes sense because, like, that's how the that's like in their memories, so they just see themselves as now as current people. So, like, it almost doesn't like take away from it because they they can't even see themselves that far. But they do remember, obviously, um, Chadwick Boseman's character, Stormy Norman, because he never grew up. He 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 dies in that movie, um, which is like nothing to really hide about because it's the, literally that's what the whole purpose of them being there um, in Vietnam. And uh, I don't know, man. It was just a cool, cool movie about like this group of uh, this band of brothers, right? Um, uh, from like to to use another show, um, who uh, who have this uh, this just history, and who want to uh, who want to who have this like last mission almost in 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 mind to get it done. But they're all very unique characters, and how uh, they're obviously not they're they're just so. They're all, they're just like brothers, but th- even though they're all different people, they're still respect each other through certain aspects, obviously, and just how the movie goes through with it, and then the adding on of like history and what they've done and what their mistakes have been, and just them talking it and going through these things. It just felt so like human, um, and also just seeing like the effects of war on people, and uh, obviously, I know Spike Lee does a great job of like incorporating music. Um, and I think he does, he loves doing like, um, just like these little snippets of things, um, especially when he's like focusing on a character, um, that I really like. Uh, I just really liked overall the relationship that these guys had in the movie. And, um, I think that's what kind of drives the whole movie, uh, and how their, what their roles are and have become since the war. Um, so yeah, this is a movie that's on Netflix that you should uh, totally watch. And I think it's a show now also, or a miniseries or something. Uh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, I might check that out then. 
Yeah, but that's mm-hmm. how, this is our, the one movie that it's in all three of our lists. I think it's the only one, too. So, yeah, it's awesome. The Five Bloods, Spike Lee's. It also came out at the perfect time. We never talked about the timing again. Oh, yes. Because uh, the whole Black Lives Matter movement? Riots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There were yeah. riots and stuff. It came out just perfect. And obviously the fact that Netflix, either whoever decided to just put on Netflix, fuck the, fuck the whole, you know, theatrical thing or waiting too long or, you know, whatever. They, like, put it out. They, if anything, I think they rushed it further so they can put it out as soon as possible. So, um, great fucking choice. Great timing. Um, anyway. So that's your number uh, three, right? That's where we are. Yeah. So number two. Yep. We're almost there. Home stretch. Almost here. there. Number yeah. Two. Yeah. What's your number two? <clears throat> I am not a shill. The vast <laughs> of night. The vast oh, of man. night from Amazon nice. Prime Video. Mm-hmm. Why wow, you really like that? I mean, I, I like it too. Yeah. Honestly, it was such a great. Uh, it was such a good movie. Like, I mean, it takes place in like the 1950s, and you have this like weird like alien conspiracy going on and everything right but it's like how the movie is paced it's just so amazing like never a dull moment and then the dialogue is so good because you have these like yeah monologue segments where these people are telling the story and you're just so invested in it like like somebody could be in my house stealing my tv and i could just be like watching this and i wouldn't even notice you know or just not if I'm not watching it on TV, you know, they could be robbing me blind, but I'm just like so intrigued by these people's stories. And I'm just like, it's so good. Yeah. I was yeah. so surprised by this movie. I expected nothing, not knowing shit. It was so good. Right. It, it total fun. sleeper just came up and I'm like, yeah, let's just watch this movie. And, you know, it's, it's really, really hard good. to do a good alien movie, but it just went right. it. so It's hard. so great. Cause so many bad ones. So it's so perfect. Like, you take a small town, you put like a basketball game because everyone goes to these things in the small town. So, you know, these mm-hmm. kids are just running around trying to, you know, find out what the hell's going on. And it, it's nuts, but it's so good at the same time. Yeah. Agreed. A very good movie. Short list material also for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, that, a vast of, is it The Vast of Night? Or just the Vast, vast of, of Night. The Vast of Night. Right. Also, good title. I just love it. It's so Twilight <laughs> Zoney. Good title. I just, it seems good in this movie. Mm hmm. Um, that's your number two. My number two, number two. is a movie that uh, for a lot of people, especially critics and uh, all the film consideration award ceremony stuff, uh, called it a 2019 movie. Did not get released until 2020, early 2020, but still. And it's on Hulu, exclusively there, I think, I think as far as streaming goes. <clears throat> you can watch it on Hulu. It's called Portrait of a Lady on Fire. In 18th century France, a young painter, Marianne, is commissioned to do the wedding portrait of Eloise without her knowing. Therefore, Marianne must observe her model by day to paint her portrait at night. Day by day, the two women become closer as they share Eloise's last moments of freedom before the impending wedding. And impending wedding does feel like impending doom. Um, This movie is um, written and directed by Céline Schiama, and I'm probably butchering that name. It is French, I think maybe French adjacent and uh, movie stars, um, Naomi Merlant, Adele Hanel, Hanel, maybe Luana Barjami and Valerie Colimo. And Valerie Colimo is the only one I recognize from other stuff, but this is a magnificent love story. It is the best might be my, I've seen a lot of stories like this. There's tons of them, right? From, from the English patient to God knows whatever the fuck, so many out there, Titanic, right? Um, this one uh, is 
my favorite in the 2000s. All the 20 years of the 2000s. It's just like, it is done so perfectly uh, well realized. It is done with so realistically. And it has, you know, you know how there are movies that are adult movies, like especially love stories, that would show a lot of like male gaze, right? Think of the male gaze, right? What people... But, you know, um, you know what it means is that, you know, men looking at the women figure or whatever is going on when they're naked on screen and the vice versa. There's a, there's a female gaze, right, where, where guys are naked or whatever. They're modeling or posing and they look ridiculously over or whatever as they are naked for some reason on screen. This one somehow just, like, doesn't really have the male gaze. It has the female gaze of the female body, but it really kind of does it in a way where it feels like a lover's gaze. And it, that's what I think this movie does that a lot of fucking movies do not understand or cannot are not able to uh, properly convey the subtleties of what loving another person is, especially in the beginnings of it. And this movie has lover's gaze all over it and the progression within the time frame that this this whole painting thing is required and the way it ends, it's you know, full of sorrow and meaningful and awesome stuff. It's really good. It's really fantastic. It really makes me really feel that, that those emotions quite well. <clears throat> um, throughout the movie and well after it, I super highly recommend it for everyone. It is foreign film, so it's foreign language. It is the French and some Italian uh, in the movie. And it's a period film too, but uh, man, also it goes a lot saying that the costume design, the set design, all very accurate, very cool. It is definitely part of the background, of course. It doesn't, like, ever stay on it, you know? But it's pretty good. So, yeah, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is my number two. Check it out on Hulu. Uh, Roth, your number two. My number two is a movie that was already mentioned that I can't tell who it was. I don't think it was. It was I forgot who it was. Um, it's Tenet. Sorry, I think it was... Oh, all, two of guys, all three of us. Oh, wow. Sorry, so I, a I, second I, triple. I forgot Luke uh, or Oscar had reviewed it. He just picked it at number 10. Um, Tenet, uh, yeah, I would say 100% is this is the uh, most uh, highest uh, production value movie this year yeah. that I that I did manage to see in theaters. Um, that limited time that theaters were open again for like a month or two, and then they closed back up. Even though there was nothing in theaters except for, I think, uh, what's back it called? A Nightmare, a Nightmare Before Christmas, Back to the Future, and Tenet. <laughs> <Good time. laughs> there, like there was like nothing to watch. Anyways, um, so yeah, this is, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a mind F, to, to say the least. Uh, and hmm. it's a, uh, it's one of those movies that we had already mentioned where like literally I need to rewatch it so I can get it explained again. And I think the movie does an okay job of trying to explain it to you multiple times because even our protagonist is lost in it. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I just uh, really like the production value overall. I, I dig the story and I dig what's going on and like it totally messes with you and how far back they have to go that you didn't even realize, remember that the movie has taken this, place in this long time it's it's super bonkers um just to watch it um but you guys already said enough about this movie really um there's flaws to the movie but i don't know it, a lot of these scenes just kind of make up for it overall the production value and just like overall the, what it talks about and how it just kind of brings it up uh, it, it, it's it's super cool and it does it for me so 
that's why I hit my number two. Um, so that's Tenet, yep. Nice. All right, man. All right. And two triples. Here. Probably <sighs> two biggest movies also, because The Five Plus also had a lot of you. A lot mm-hmm. of views, right? Um, all right. Um, you're number one, Luke. You're yeah, number man, one movie. We're here. Yeah. Do we just want to get into it? Just that's it. Yeah, just fucking do it. No honorable mentions, maybe. No, we. Oh, oh, I see. Right before we name our number one. Nah, we'll do it after we. All right, all right. Yeah. Oof, all right. Uh, well, this number one. As soon as I saw my list of movies, this was a fucking no brainer. Yeah. <laughs> um, because right. I almost saw this movie in Japan when I was there. Oh, that's right. But I couldn't make it. But yeah, so I saw it in 2020 instead in English and with subtitles when I saw the dub. I mean, would would you have seen it if you saw it in Japan? Would it have been subbed? No. So then what the fuck would have been the point? I don't care. I would have made my own story up. (laughs) And then when you watched it again, you would have been like, bro, I was way off. I was way off. (laughs) I thought they were siblings. Um, so it was obviously weathering with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we we kind of got that lot by the you know, but one and only Makoto Shinkai. Who hurt you? <laughs> yeah, uh, everyone apparently. Cat right. probably. Uh, I loved the it. Musical? It's, yes. Uh, I mean, great music, uh, great visuals, his cinematography, his style, his everything is just amazing. Do you have Makoto Shinkai stock? Uh, if he had stock, I'd buy it. I know. That's what I'm saying. You should. <laughs> You're so into him. Um, yeah. Now, even if you were watching the, you know, I watched both the Japanese version subtitled. I watched the English version, and they're so goddamn good. I love the voice acting for the English one because obviously uh, Alison Brie is in it. And, uh, she has a great voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I like her voice too. Yeah. And uh, I mean. It's just fucking great. I mean, uh, should we? I don't want to go into this thing, but you know, it's about a guy who kid honestly runs away from home, goes to fucking Tokyo, and he's trying to kind of make it there. Meets this girl who obviously has this like weird power to stop the rain because for some weird reason in that year, it just rains nonstop. Hmm. Like in Tokyo specifically, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's it's amazing. I love the little uh, things that they do in it, though, with uh, you know bringing some uh, characters from like your names popping in real fast because you know people love that one too. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, yeah, yep. and it's also up there with the, with the, with the box office sales they made in Japan, right? Which yeah, it is pretty. I high, think so. Right? Yeah. Huh. Although I think that Demon Slayer movie is like fucking destroying things. Dude, right? I want to. That movie's so fucking bad. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, yeah, but, oh, yeah, Shinkai. It's funny. Um, he actually went back and like added more stuff into the movie after the, like the thing, like after the fact. He's like, hmm, there's not enough clouds where I want there to be. <laughs> it's hilarious. Right before the <laughs> the DVD Blu-ray version came out. Really? Yeah, it, one of the weird things. <laughs> Guy's a, a perfectionist. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of them are, especially filmmakers. Um, they kind of have to be. Uh, all right, so that's uh, Weathering With You. You're number one. That's your number one mm-hmm. movie of 2020. My number one movie of 2020. Uh, it's the one that hit me the hardest, obviously. It has to be. It is a Netflix original, I guess you could say, by Charlie Kaufman. Through the mind of the mind of Charlie Kaufman, it is I Am Thinking of Ending Things. 
it is the movie that uh, I, I can't stop thinking about, you know, every once in a while, every week or something. Not like every day. I'm not obsessed. I've only seen it the once, but I do want to see it again. Here's a, a description here. Despite second thoughts about their relationship, a young woman takes a road trip with her new boyfriend to his family's farm. Trapped at the farm during a snowstorm with Jake's mother and father, the young woman begins to question the nature of everything she knew or understood about her boyfriend, herself, and the world. Yes, this is uh, uh, written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman, the, considered to be the weird screenwriter of Hollywood, who wrote being John Malkovich, adaptation, um, what's the other one? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and uh, directed uh, his last three movies, Anomalisa, this one, and Synecdoche, New York. And this movie stars Jesse Plemons, Jesse Buckley. Jesse Buckley is having a great year because she was in the latest season of Fargo and plays a polar opposite type of character with an accent and everything. It's really quite something to watch, as well as uh, Tony Collette and David Thewlis in this movie. And, um, you know, uh, it's not like a puzzle movie necessarily, and a lot of the movie feels like it's some sort of science fiction, uh, time travel maybe thing going on throughout the movie. But uh, it, it, the movie does not focus on that. Instead, uses direction to show you the the crazy, how, not the crazy, I should say, the how unnatural and how unpredictable the mind can get to when it comes to um, neuroses or trauma or regret. And I think that uh, the movie highlights all of those things magnificently. And also funny along the way. And also, you know, dire along the way. Also dour. Also a lot of things. But it does have a whole smorgasbord of thoughts and feelings regarding uh, particularly one person's life in this case. And how it leads to another in the movie. Um, and it really paints this whole spectrum surprisingly really well. Considering that the movie is not like, it's not a short movie. It's like two hours plus. But it's not like, it's amazing how much ground it does cover. And you may not understand everything, and you're not supposed to understand everything. It is the mind of Charlie Kaufman. This is how he feels about himself, really. And we're just, you know, getting a glimpse of his own mind. But, um, and, you know, some of his thoughts are universal. And the movie knows to tell you that and to show you how universal his own thoughts on himself can be for others. So, yeah, it's a great fucking movie. Totally sold it. I just, just completely, I was just so, so for it, that movie. Uh, 100%, 100%. So I'm thinking of anything. It's my number one. It is my no-brainer as well from my number one. Nice, so, nice. Raf. That was on my short list. So yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Raf, what is your number one? Uh, nowhere on my short list. Anyways, um, <laughs> my number one is a movie that affected my child more than anything this year, and that was Soul, Pixar's movie, Soul. Um, and oh. it's, uh, it's, I mean, listen, I like the, I like the movie a lot, but I think, um, it, it's recency bias. It's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of the fact that it's a really good movie, and I know you guys don't have it on your list at all. It's okay, though. Um, and it's just the fact that I think it's uh, how it affected, I guess, overall, me and my family. Um, and that's probably why it's my number one. Um, and which is a good thing, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's all about uh, personal list anyway. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just, um, I really felt like this movie... Uh, uh, if we have souls, I guess touched my son's soul, and um, for that it touched me. That it touched my son, you know. Um, and uh, I thought it was a really cool story overall, um, even though it's about like jazz is just the thing that they use to go through. And I know we did that in our uh, 
what's it called latest review on episode 119 which shot oscar i totally still did by the way i'm just letting mm-hmm. you know um and uh so yeah um i i don't know i just i i had a lot of uh a lot of good emotions and a lot of uh realization emotions and stuff like that but the movie did a good job but i think bringing it up um and especially for kids and even a kid like my a seven-year-old can understand um um, he's not the smartest seven-year-old he's not the dumbest seven-year-old i think he falls somewhere in the middle um and the fact that he understood it and got what it meant and just um i mean it, it speaks numbers and um for that i would say it's just uh it's a great movie and it's a definite must watch i mean get your seven day trial for disney plus uh, or if you haven't already, or go abuse someone's like I do, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just watch it, man. Yeah, uh, you should totally go out there and watch it because it's a really cool movie. Um, and uh, it's what's it called? It'll make you at least think of something and make hopefully make you feel something. Um, to say the least, because that's I think what's about any Pixar movie does, but uh, this one does a really good job at it. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. my number one. What do you mean by... It's gonna clear up. (gasps) She really was the sunshine girl. What do you know about the boy in the video? Stop! What do I do? They're going to separate us. Let's run away! One must be careful. A tragic fate awaits the weather maiden. Let's make a promise to each other to always be together. There's nothing more gorgeous than a beautiful, clear sky. Hold on tight! I don't want to shoot you. You helped me find a reason to live. I'm really glad I met you. So please, don't cry, Monica. Right, and those are our top 10 films of 2020. Please, before we continue on to other stuff before the end, let us know what you think of this list and tell us your list. You can send, you can send that information to podmoviecast at gmail.com. Um, obviously, check out our website, otherpodcast.com. For this list, properly spelled out, you know, in the right order, in case you forgot what was Oscars 8 and Luke's 4, um, check that out, obviously. So, um, now we get into some honorable mentions. So, Luke, I know we've already said, like, oh, yeah, short list, but just name them. What's your honorable mention? The ones that didn't make the um, list, almost made the list. Okay. Uh, the yeah. Hunt? Oh, really? The Hunt? Yeah. <laughs> really? That, that was the short list? Yeah. Uh, First Cow? King of Staten nice. Island? I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, antebellum, hashtag alive, the devil all the time. Nice, nice. Uh, for me, so it's a slightly longer. It's um, my number of mentions are like my number eleven, the social dilemma. You know, after that, there's no timing, there's no ranking anymore. But social dilemma, definitely. Uh, the devil all the time, antebellum, just like Luke said, Hamilton, bad hair, she dies tomorrow, sound of metal, soul. A, doc- a wonderful documentary called The Painter and the Thief. Uh, Mank, Uncle Frank, The Invisible Man, The Vast of Night, 
Nobody Knows I'm Here, Greyhound, and finally Shirley. Shirley, you can't be serious. Ah, my God. I knew you were going <laughs> to fucking say something. Raf, what is, uh, what is uh, your honorable uh, mentions? Uh, my honorable mentions are... Uh, sorry, I wasn't super ready. Um, make, for sure, 100%. Hmm. Uh, I actually like Come Play a lot. I don't know oh. why, but I did. Antebellum, same thing. I like Antebellum a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trial of Chicago, 7. Um, uh, King of Staten Island, I actually also liked. It was somewhere in that list, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vest of Night, yeah. I would say The Vest of Night. And uh, there's one more, sorry. I wasn't ready. I was. I don't have the list actually written out. <laughs> uh, uh, it was, uh, what's it called? The Report. I like the report a lot too. So, oh yeah, didn't we? Uh, that was oh, 2019. I think that was that was 2019. Oh, was it 2019? I thought it was 2020. Sorry, I wasn't sure either, honestly. But yeah, I think I got that one. So anyway, uh, all right. So now we get into the last thing here, and it sucks to go on a note like this. But f- for funsies, we're gonna go with our biggest disappointments of the year. Oh uh, man! Luke, all right, what <laughs> disappointed you? Number one, the the creme de la creme of 365 days. Is that right? Okay. First movie ever. <laughs> okay. Uh, then like, you have things like uh, Mulan, uh, Horse Girl, Wonder Woman 84, uh, Radioactive, The Half of It, Bloodshot, The Old Guard 7500. Uh, Fuck you with The Old Guard. <laughs> <laughs> the Old Girls. The Jane Silent Bob reboot. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, it could have been so much better, but I still liked it. But, you know, I, my expectations were a little higher for it. Yeah, so. uh, I mean, for me, a lot of those too. Unless, do you have more? Sorry, Did that's it. That is it. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Wonder Woman eighty four for sure. The Hillbilly Elegy, whatever the fuck that was. Mulan, get fucking duped. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> Last days of the American crime. We summon the darkness, which I had little expectations, and somehow it even couldn't meet that. Um, <laughs> Natalie Wood, what remains behind is a very bland documentary. Uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot, Bloodshot, the rhythm section. Uh, <laughs> worst title ever. It's such a bad title, and obviously my the worst one by far is three hundred and sixty five days straight from Poland, <laughs> the worst fucking movie of the year. Ruff, what about you? All right, so mine's a tie for like the worst one. That's uh three sixty five and Love Guaranteed, but we'll see. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Save yourselves. You guys are fine. Yeah. Uh, Jane Silent Bob for sure. Yeah, I just. Such a disappointment. I and listen. It was just like this. Like it was fun, but it could have been. It was like fan service, but that's about okay. it. And I, I I rather have watched the documentary about making this movie instead of the movie itself. Um, sorry, say to hate to say it. Um, what else? What else did I watch here? Um, I actually. Uh, Wonder Woman eighty four. I expected too much. I think that's what the problem was. Though. Um. And then, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's really about it. Oh, Bill and Ted, sorry, Bill and Ted Face the Music, yeah, just. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't really dig it. I liked it. I didn't, I, I didn't like, love it, but I liked it. No, um, I just, again, I, I felt like, they, yeah, it was, just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I was disappointed. Okay, really cool. All right, and that is it for our top 10 shows of 2020. Uh, one countdown down. That sounds weird to say. One countdown done, maybe. Um, anyway, um, Check us out 
next week. Remember, we are a bi-weekly show normally, but we are going to release this show and the next two top 10 shows uh, on a weekly basis. And then we're going to take a break from recording and having to record uh, shows for a while. We're going to come back in probably March, at least the first week of March, somewhere around there. I'll explain this every single episode we're doing right now. So, um, so anyway, the next time we're going to be recording our top 10 TV shows of 2020. And that one, uh, Luke will not be joining us on. And instead, uh, will be uh, a re- recurring guest. He only comes back for, for the TV shows. And it's not because he's so into TV over movies. It's just because he um, watches barely enough TV shows to make a list. And I will make fun of him for that. So, um, and obviously, as friend of the show, Matt, Matthew. And um, yeah. So check us out next week on that. Until then, you can always follow me on Twitter and like Letterbox and stuff at Armin Filmmaker, which is filmmaker with A R M E N. Uh, Luke, um, at Slothmaster Luke on Twitter. I did That's just make a Letterboxd. You did be, just yeah. today, right? Yep. Just <laughs> when you were talking so much, I was like, I'm just gonna make this Letterbox because Oscar talks too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. My my name on is gonna be Blind Noir. Nice. Blind Noir. There you go. Uh-huh. Uh Raf? Uh yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Don Rafael. Uh this going to the Rafael the L. And then you can follow me on Twitch at Sue Trauma, S I O U X T R A U M A. Uh I basically stream on Sundays and Mondays, but sometimes Saturday nights that leaks into Sundays. So yep, nice. you can watch me play and I play whatever I want. Yeah, yeah, there's no like specific thing. For sure. Um, all right, until then, guys, I'm Oscar. They're Luke and Raf. Because you just oh, said our names. Just wow, a second thanks. Ago. Yeah, we, we did. decided. Oh, uh, no, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, see you then next week. Look, everything in this world is running exactly on schedule. Besides, to leave, we probably have to wait until the movie's over or something. Well, when is that going to happen? <laughs>